are you going to be on live watch? Did you hear that Norman said that that they've all agreed that whatever player, if there is a player in the final group uh, that's a live player, that all the other players um, from live will be gathered around in boisterous, you know, celebration. It's like I, I guess he thinks they're all going to make the cut and stick around in Augusta, and maybe they will. Who knows? But you know, listen, Cam Cam Smith is capable of winning this tournament. He's capable of winning any time out. You know, what's funny is if there is a live player who plays in the final round and all of his fellow live players follow him, it will give a bigger gallery than they get when they're playing in live golf. Welcome to Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with... P.P. and McGee, this is the podcast that takes a somewhat irreverent, sometimes cynical, and on occasion a serious look at the business of sports. I'm your co-host, David Paro. And I'm Tim McGee. Well, it's nice to be back. Uh, well, I'm hoping I I'm hoping I remember how to do this. I'm sure well, there are sorry. a few listeners out there hoping I've forgotten it, trying to find something newer and more entertaining. Sorry for the delay. I, I didn't recognize you for a second. No. So, long. <laughs> so that means I won't have to edit that part. I'll just keep it as it is. That's great. Yeah. This is our 61st episode, Tim. Wow. Well, yeah, right. We're and in Roger Maris territory. There you go. And uh, we've obviously faced some challenges this year, particularly due to my travel schedule and my losing my voice for a little bit. Um, but we're certainly still very proud of it bring this podcast to you regularly. So we're fresh off the NCAA tournament and into Masters Week. But Tim, what is on your mind? Well, welcome back, seriously. Um, Thank you. Glad to have you. Didn't know what I was going to do if I had to do another interview on my own. Um, what's on my mind? Final Four, right? You you told me before we came on the air that you missed a lot of the the last round of the, of the men's and women's. Um, because of your travels to Australia. I want to congratulate the men's program at University of, Con University of Connecticut, Danny Hurley. Uh, great backstory on Danny Hurley. Obviously, he comes from basketball royalty, right? His dad, Bob, mm -hmm. Bob Hurley Sr. in the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame, ran the fabled program at St. Anthony's High School in Jersey City. Uh, his older brother, Bobby, uh, one of the greatest college players of all time now also a collegiate coach, but when Danny Hurley was at Seton Hall, he actually stepped away from the team for a period of time because he wasn't sure if he wanted to continue playing basketball. Um, and I think the folks up in stores, Connecticut are glad that he did. But um, have you noticed that every photo of Danny Hurley, he sort of has his fingers in the air and his mouth wide open. Right. He looks like every guy I grew up with who's celebrating winning pinball at Max Candy Store right. on a corner up from it, my house. When it, we it, it really, you're right. It really is funny. <laughs> it really is funny. I guess you got to love the the fire that he brings. Obviously, he's done an amazing job there, and and it and it is impressive. I mean, think about you know the lineage that he comes from just within the family, and you know, and that is as much as that might have put him in certain places. I mean, my goodness, the pressure that comes with that. Uh, and being able to live with that. And and what I think was cool, you know, they went in, the Huskies went in as a four seed um, and they came out of that tournament. They were the best team in the country. I mean, I think they were uh, certainly deserving of that, but my goodness, San Diego State, 
I mean, what a what a great run they had. I mean, that's a program uh, to be looked at. It'll be very interesting to see where where they end up landing um, coming out of this because they've uh, they've certainly uh, opened a lot of eyeballs. Isn't it, isn't it funny that typically when you talk about a player having a great tournament, you wonder about how it may improve his stock in the draft. Now we're talking about a team, <laughs> right? And, and you know, my my sense is that they had been courted by the Pac-12 mm -hmm. even before this run. So I'm sure they'll make an even bigger run um, at them. But but it, it you know, listen, they almost didn't make it to the finals, right? They they hit a buzzer beater to to get past truly a Cinderella team in Florida Atlantic. Uh, but you know, UConn had you know was was peaking at the right time. They mm -hmm. just you know they had they had beaten Alabama earlier in the season, right? Number one overall seed. Um, you know, and and you know, I can't say enough about Danny Hurley. Took over a program that had a losing season the prior prior year and just brought them back. And you know, uh, they've won five NCAA championships, right? There's only a handful of programs that have won more, right? And and think about it, every one of those has been since 1999. So it's less than a quarter century so they're winning on average once every five years that's a hell of a that's a hell yeah, of a and, a and a couple of those um i think certainly were were a bit similar in in what this was that the team just kind of came together and absolutely peaked at the right time they didn't necessarily go in because i mean uconn's had a very you know not to not to make a pun off of the town that they're based in stores connecticut a storied um career a storied history in successful basketball, obviously on the women's side as well as as we all know, but they're not they're not considered a regular blue blood by today's standards. I wouldn't say um, not in the way, say, a North Carolina or a Kansas, um, uh, you know, would be. So um, I, listen, I think it, I really think it was an, a fascinating tournament. So many so many upsets. Um, you know, only the second time a number one seed goes down uh, in the first round. Uh, you know, so many, so many lower seeds advancing on. Um, yet, you know, to my point about about blue bloods being in the final four, I think it did ultimately uh, hurt uh, overall viewership as it was down on average, um, kind of across the board. I think they had there were some really good games early uh, that hit some high numbers, but as the tournament progressed. Um, the viewership on the men's side um, kind of waned. Yeah, well, it's down 23%, just a shade under 12.3 million uh, viewers for the championship game. Uh, wasn't a particularly dramatic championship game, although San Diego State did make a run at the end, brought it to within a couple. Um, you know, interesting, you talk about the Blue Bloods, right? UNC has won six national championships, and Connecticut's won five, yeah, right? Right. So, uh, but I think you know the smartest thing that UConn did was rejoin the Big East, um, and you know, to me, the Big East is one of the best basketball conferences, top to bottom, in the country. Um, you know, so you know, I think if, if anyone handled some of those shakeouts some years ago in college, when when the Big East decided to basically just become a basketball conference, all the football schools left to join other conferences, particularly Conference USA. And it could have been a really bad time um, for for that conference, but with uh, I think you know the leadership of uh, uh, Commissioner Ackerman uh, and the focus of these universities, um, largely you know mid-sized to smaller schools with a, with a Catholic heritage, um, has been just remarkable. It's one of the true great stories I think in. Um, 
conference athletic administration uh, and and managing that. And you look at this, obviously the ongoing success of a school like Villanova, um, Marquette, who was fantastic this year, uh, was able to recruit a coach in, in Shaka Smart, who was the uh, Naismith winner, I believe. That's right. Correct? Not, no, coach not this year. year. Oh, okay. No, he did, no, he did he, not. He won the awards, did he not? Um, coach of the year. I just assume because you're on the board, I, I, I describe everything to a Naismith award, but. No, the the guy from uh, Kansas State won. Okay, well, so you know, just not that we had planned to talk about the the strength of the Big East, but I, I totally agree with you that they've just uh, it's it's really been an impressive conference, and this is another great year. Um, and so let's you know let's talk about the women's side. Jerome yeah. Tang, Jerome Tang, by the way, is the uh, coach Kansas State who won. For our listeners, they they know that I'm really bad at prognostication, but um, as you mentioned, I'm on the board of the Naismith Awards and. Uh, I voted for the men's and women's player of the year who both actually wound up winning the award. Caitlin Clark on the uh, the women's side and Zach Eady from Purdue on the men's side. So I was two for two on the, uh, I was three for four. Great. I was three for four. I, uh, uh, I also voted for Don Staley again on the women's side. I did not get the men's vote right. I won't tell you who I voted for, but I did not vote for Jerome Tang. The, Okay, that's congratulations on on uh, on those picks. Uh, I had we didn't go through a formal show on this. I certainly because I picked Caitlin Clark last year, um, and so I feel like that should carry over uh, for this year. <laughs> so I'm going to say I got that one right. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you picked. I I didn't make a pick on this on air, but I think you picked South Carolina to win again on the women's side. And I, that I was did. your prognostication. Yeah. I, I did, and I will listen. They, they I picked were, Iowa. I picked Iowa, not on air, but I—that's who I. Had. They were, but I also listen, picked them to win it all. So. I, I thought it was going to be very hard for anybody to beat USC this year. Aliyah Boston, who won the mm-hmm. Naismith uh, Award last year, was a finalist. She did not win. Obviously, Kate Clark had a season for the ages, as they say, uh, but she did win um, Defensive Player of the Year for the second time. Right, yeah, so they had a very formidable. Amazing. Yeah, they yeah. had a very formidable defense. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about this um, this women's final and the attention that came on it. It showed in the numbers, didn't it? Yeah, uh, nine point nine million viewers, right? So about seventy five percent of what the men's did, which I which I have to believe is probably the closest in terms of total viewership. Um, yeah, I think it, I, I think there were some things that marred that championship game well maybe marred is too strong a word there was conversation that went on that wasn't about the play on the court which is always unfortunate but playing devil's advocate you got people talking about it so first and foremost the the i I thought the officiating was atrocious um throughout the game right they didn't let the women play um and in the championship game you want to let the players play. You want it to play. You want the game to be decided by the play on the court. Right? I'm not even talking about the the technical foul that was assessed to uh, to Caitlin Clark late in the game that sort of um, breathed new life into into LSU. But it was just bad. I thought bad officiating, um, and I'm not alone in that in that feeling. But some of the conversation that took place after the game, based on the interaction between. Angel Reese, the star player for LSU, and Caitlin Clark detracted from the accomplishment of, of LSU. Um, it was tinged in certain circles uh, with 
racism, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think, and you, you brought this up before we started recording, I think both young women comported themselves incredibly well after the fact, right? True competitors, I think there was there's respect and admiration for one another between those two players. Um, but it was unfortunate that that had to be part of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's there's multiple. I mean, obviously, the race part of it is an issue, and I'm not denying that it, it, it is an issue. Um, and then there's the gender aspect of it, um, that is this even that big of a deal if it's on the men's side? And, and what I found interesting from both sides, so take the race out of it for a second, mm -hmm. um, both both Caitlin and Angel, how much they spoke about, like, we talk trash. Like, what's the big deal? We're out there competing and we're and we're in the moment and you're pour, you're pouring your heart out and, and you're competing. So sometimes you, you emote. Um, and, and I and I actually love that. And so if you go back to this, I mean, there has never been as much focus on this tournament. We, we've seen the numbers grow over the over the years. Right. And now it's gotten to this point with star players like um, like. Caitlin Clark and uh, you know Aaliyah Boston and 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 what Don Staley has brought to South Carolina and and what um, what LSU is doing as a team and players like Angel Reese etc. Um, it there are players with with cool stories that ball and I think people are starting to see that. So uh, you know what you mentioned Caitlin Clark having a, a season of for the ages and it really was. So if you watched her play and you look at the attention she's getting from NBA players that are seeing her the way she plays the game and where she will, you know, fire off a shot from without any fear, you know, Steph Curry, like Dame Lillard, like, um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and if she comes back and the great star that won player of the year, a couple of years ago from UConn that has been injured and is coming back, uh, Beckers, um, yep. Paige, uh, Beckers. Paige Beckers, excuse me. You know, there's some, there's some fun things to watch, I think in the game and these, you know, you know, and the women have always said, give us a tiny bit more of the storylines on places like Sports Center, et cetera, and we'll show you what we can do. <laughs> My goodness, they're backing that up. And and I think that they're putting some entertaining stuff on uh, in play. And I mean, it, you know, this is really as much as we've talked about women's sports on the show, because we like following women's sports and we like seeing the growth and we like seeing the commercial opportunity that's been presented or starting to become uh, presented around women's sports. I think this is going to be this is the year, right? Because we have a World Cup coming up um, uh, down under, uh, and um, you know, with what we just saw out of the NCAA uh, women's side of the tournament, I, I just think this will go down as as the year that you know people finally woke up to um, some great women's athletics. Yeah, it's uh, it's only going to continue to get bigger. What I like about the women's side is that a few years ago, up until a few years ago, it was basically Stanford, Tennessee, or Connecticut, right? And it was going to be one of those three teams who was going to win. Now it's any one of you know eight to ten to twelve teams that could win in any particular year, um, which I think is great for the sport as well, right? Because then you're you're growing the uh, you know. The, the the more you have comp competition and the more you have more teams who can potentially win, I think the better it is for the right. sport. And the players seem to be coming from everywhere, right? There's no, right. Um, there aren't there aren't places where just you know the concept of playing women's basketball or not are you know 
their, their availability and the opportunities seem to be growing. So that's wonderful. While it may be for the wrong reasons, the fact that there has been so much focus on this, and again, probably, you know, people just aren't expecting this level of, of, uh, of uh, I'll say it again, I guess, you know, trash talk uh, or that type of in your face attitude uh, in the women's game. They're competitors. They're no different. They, they compete on the court. So. Yeah, no, and I have a young woman in my class this semester who plays for the St. John's team. And, um, you know, we were having this conversation in class a couple of weeks ago. It's just fundamentally sound basketball, right? So if you if you like watching basketball played the right way, you should like the women's game, right? Um, it's played below the rim for the most part, right? Unlike the men's game. But other than that, it's just good, good basketball. So. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to another uh, big story, if you uh, if you'll uh, allow me, if you'll endeavor the opportunity, so to speak. <laughs> I think um, I know where you're going with this one. So, has anyone in the history of sports ever come out of a weird situation smelling more like a rose? Wait, is that the right term? <laughs> then Vince McMahon and the situation with the Endeavor um, acquisition of WWE and the merging, or the yeah, basically the acquisition of it, uh, and then merging it with uh, with its property it already uh, it owns in UFC. Mm -hmm. um, my goodness, I mean, he he, we thought he was like gone, gone, um, not too long ago, and now he's not only back, but he will be uh, he will be at least chairman of, of one of the areas of this uh, newly formed organization that puts um, Dana White's UFC, uh, already owned by Endeavor, um, along with um, uh, Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, a deal consummated for $9.3 billion. Um, I don't know how much of that Vince McMahon and his wife and kids are going to get, but I imagine that's a fair, fair number. Right, and then the combined company worth twenty-one billion dollars. Um, you know, an entertainment and sports behemoth. Anyway, you anyway you cut it. Um, you know, going to be run by Ari Emanuel, um, with Mark Shapiro right underneath them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's funny we talked about we talked about that interesting story some weeks ago about WWE petitioning. Um, for um, the ability to uh, take bets on its competition, even though the outcomes are predetermined, um, they had a had a you know way to approach that similar to what the Oscars do. Um, we we joked about that and kind of laughed about it. We talked about whether or not it was a, com a a combat sport or an entertainment. Now it is merged with the ultimate combat sport in uh, in the UFC, which. You know, obviously, has done an amazing job of building a brand globally um, and dominating the MMA space for sure. Yeah, it's safe to assume that they're going to go harder after that gambling opportunity now with Endeavor taking it over, yeah. right? Because yeah. they've got to, you know, they've paid a lot of money for WWE and they got to ring value out of it. Right. I think what's going to be interesting is to see how they decide to market. Are they going to make any changes to to whom they're marketing to? I mean, these are two very different uh, audiences. And Dana White even said that. He's like, they don't necessarily overlap with the WWE audience. They may have a similar psychographic, I would imagine. Uh, but I think that's going to be one of the things that I am going to enjoy watching is to see how they're how they're going after the audience. Are they going to almost try to keep them separate? Or are they going to try to, um, you know, build 
WWE fans out of UFC fans and vice versa. I have a hard time believing that hardcore UFC fans are going to have that much fun with WWE. Um, well, I, I think, do think that yeah. WWE fans can become UFC fans. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think right, the synergy is going to come more from the operation side than mm-hmm. from the audience side. Um, although, listen, you know, both entities have such large followings that if you can even, you know, increase the crossover slightly, you're talking, you know, percentage-wise, you're talking about a large number of people, right? So there'll certainly be some cross-promotion. Right. There's there's always benefit when your audience starts from that big of a base, right? Yeah. And they really are. I mean, these are massive audiences. I believe that WWE just announced its record audience, a sellout of SoFi, um, uh, just just recently, um, and the, you know it's like there is not a place on the planet that seems that isn't itching, um, you know, to get a SmackDown or to get a, um, a UFC card placed in its market, right? Yeah, yeah, both both fantastic entertainment events, right? I'm not. I listen. I I will readily admit I'm not a big fan of either one of them, but right. I do. But I do recognize their entertainment value on both yeah. sides. Yeah, I think we. I think listen, we're we're in the business. We have to understand what they are as as marketing entities, and and certainly UFC. I think has built itself uh, as a as a respectable sport. I I remember years and years and years ago when the, the the whole MMA scene started breaking. The first time I watched it, I was honestly I was I was sick to my stomach that I. I couldn't watch it and not that I watch it that often, but I think that things they've done to try to at least add to some degree of safety and how they stop fights when they do um, has, uh, you know, has, has made a little more watchable, watchable for me, a little more palatable at the same time. I mean, in terms of the show they put on uh, and, and the ability not only to draw the celebrity crowd, but just kind of a rank and file, um, audience and 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 with care with great characters, starting with Dana White. I mean, is yeah. there anyone that's a better character for their sport than Dana White is? Yeah, um, Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince, well, <laughs> right, Vince McMahon. <laughs> right, Dana White's like the, the the whole the whole thing with WWE is like a cartoon version of what UFC ended up becoming. But yeah. I mean, he's he's if any if you've never seen Dana White in an interview, he's um, unapologetically brash. And you're going to quickly make it make up your mind as to whether you like him as a person or not, just based on that. And it doesn't matter if you don't. He could not give a shit. Uh, and it seems to continue to work uh, in favor of that uh, of that sport. And uh, I, I, I certainly don't think that Endeavor and Ari Emanuel have had any problems with that because um, the sport continues to grow an audience. Yes. Uh, and um, it's it's somewhat like the difference between UFC and WWE is almost like the difference between an NFL game and when they show the um, the NFL game on Nickelodeon. <laughs> I love the Nickelodeon game, by the way. <laughs> oh, you're you're smack in the middle of the target audience. I'm smack, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I'm a I'm a complete child um, <laughs> uh, in almost everything I do, other than my age. Um, yeah, uh, uh, interesting. But I mean, it is it is great fun. I mean, you can't deny that WWE is it's it's great fun. Anything else you want to chat before we take uh, before we take a break? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, you know, IBM used to be much more active in sports sponsorships than they are, but their longest standing sponsorship has been with the Masters, right? And as 
most people know the Masters has a very limited number of uh, partners that they allow each year. Uh, for many years, Exxon was there, AT&T continues to be there, and, and IBM is another one. And IBM, I think, does as good a job as any sponsor in showcasing their technology mm -hmm. through their sponsorship, right? And this year, um, IBM is using AI um, to create commentary uh, to run over a, an archive of 20,000 clips. Um, and what's interesting is that they have uh, an algorithm in place that will uh, ensure that the sentence structure is, um, you know, such that it, it flows and they won't use the same terms or adjectives or sentence structure too many times. So that if, if they describe a shot a certain way um, and that a similar shot comes up in another video clip, they'll describe it differently because AI won't allow them to do it. Sim so I'm very curious to see what it is, but um, what it's like, but I think it's an awesome uh, an awesome display of, of showcasing technology, which is one of the big things that right. sponsorships can do. So this is kind of their version of ChatGPT type of thing, almost, um, but, but with, uh, yeah, a verb, with a verbal. Yeah, with with a voiceover on the commentary. Yeah. yeah. As you started talking about IBM, I I thought of one of my favorite all time sponsorship people who used to run the sponsorship stuff for IBM, Rick Singer. So shout oh, out to gosh, Rick Singer, yeah. who recent who, who I think recently. Retired. He had gone over from IBM over to, uh, speaking of Tiger golf, Woods. and the Master to Tiger Woods Foundation did an amazing job over there. Just, just a great guy. Just a great yeah, guy. No. no, sometimes you know. I know. I, I for those you can't see, but David was sort of looking for the words to describe Rick. And sometimes a great guy is the best description yeah. you can give, and it certainly applies there. A couple other quick things before we take a take a break, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about this in the past. Wimbledon is allowing um, Russian and Belarusian players back in the event this year. They can't play under their country's flags, but they will be able to to play, um, which I think, listen, uh, you know, you want the best players in the world, right? Whether it's Medvedev or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whoever. Um, so it's it's great. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, both both countries put out strong players on both both the men's and women's side. So, right. Yeah. So, so it's good to have them on. Are they going to go under OAR, like the band name? I thought people would, you know, <laughs> like Olympic athletes from Russia, which was the last term that they, they did uh, for an Olympic game. No, but they are going to do a, a tour of Live Nation amphitheaters or somewhere, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just one other thing. Um, labor peace will reign supreme in the NBA for the next seven years as the Players in the Players Association lock down a, a new CBA. Um, so I think if uh, if you're going to go long on any sport, um, NBA might be one to do it. Although I would like to say, again, before we take a break, and we talked about it during spring training, uh, and now that you're back, hopefully you can see it, baseball is awesome. 25, 25 minute shorter in the opening week than it was the same yeah. time last year. Games we, were 25 minutes shorter. We we have talked about it quite a bit. Congratulations to everybody involved. I've been reading quite a bit about it, and it seems like everything's working. I, I saw Manfred's comment talking about how, in a smart move on his part, really praising the players um, for, for 
uh, working along with it. Everybody that was on part of the decision had said they felt that the players would be able to adopt, even though there was a little bitching and moaning early. And it seems that's the case. And yeah, I actually can't wait. You know, I followed a few of the cup scores coming out of the box. And as long as we won opening day, that was cool. Um, with a nice win over the Brewers, but um, hasn't gone as well since. Um, but yeah, no, I'm now looking forward to watching just to see all these things, uh, how these things are being implemented. And it's just been great to read all the positive reviews. So what do you say, partner? Take a break? Do it. Come back soon. We're back, and I want to thank – oh, that's right. We didn't have a guest this week. <laughs> but we're back regardless. And so now's the time in the show where we take a look forward. Um, David, what are you looking forward to over the coming weeks? Well, obviously, I'm looking forward to having a couple of weeks of being in the United States and, and in, in the you know, New York area, uh, which is, feels like it's been a while in coming. So I'm very excited about that. Obviously, very excited to – to watch masters we'll talk about that in a second there is a story that that i'm going to be following here pretty closely and see if it evolves fairly quickly and the reason is is we've talked a ton about you know problems that dan snyder and the washington commanders have had uh but it's not as though all owners um are uh, uh all other owners are immune to any potential issues and um, the Arizona Cardinals um, and owner Michael Bidwell are in a bit of a what might he have done type of uh, situation for a former um, VP player personnel. Terry McDonough is, um, uh, has an arbitration following, uh, excuse me, an arbitration filing uh, saying that there were some pretty bad things going on, including communicating with the GM while the GM was on suspension um, through burner phones. So I thought it was interesting. And, and it, what it made me think of, Tim, was how when we we talked about Snyder and whether the owners would make a move on, it's like, are they always just a little reluctant to go too far, too far out on a limb because of what they know they might have done? But they're very aggressively denying it. So I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to cast any any judgment because I don't know enough. But I think it's going to be an interesting story to watch, particularly with Goodell just getting his renewal, as well as all these stories still swirling around the um, uh, the commanders. But on to the Masters, uh, you know, one of the great, great um, weeks of sport right off of the NCAA uh, Final Four. Unfortunately, I hear there's a lot of rain in the forecast, which is kind of a bummer. But since we did it last year, I want to go ahead and put a prediction in and ask that you put a prediction in as well. Listen, I think the odds on favorite are Scotty Scheffler to um, to repeat. Uh, win a second green jacket uh, on, the, you know, right on the back of what he uh, won last year where he was pretty dominant um, and he went into that tournament last year as the odds on favorite. He seems to be playing to that level again. But I'm going to stick with the same prediction I made last year because I think this is the, this is the year that Will Zalatoris, the, the young man out of Wake Forest um, who just seems to really rise to the occasion in majors, hopefully he has the short putting uh, situation uh, ironed out. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking for him to take home his uh, first major and obviously first green jacket. So I was scrambling when you started and went through the whole sort of love letter to Scotty Scheffler. I thought that was going to be your pick because that is my pick. Yeah. All right. And, and if you went with Scotty Scheffler, I, I don't have much imagination. I was going to go to. I was going to go with Xander Shoffley. 
Oh, I uh, thought <laughs> so, I thought you were going to go back to Rory because I thought I thought on golf no. predictions you always only pick Rory. I got to go with my with my paisan, right? The fellow Irish guy, the Northern Irish guy, as, as the case may no. be. But no, I I, I do like the way uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I'll be on Tiger Watch, of course, right? He came yeah. out in a recent interview saying he doesn't know how many more. Are you going to be on? Him, but... Are you going to be? Are you going to be on Live Watch? Did you hear that Norman said that that they've all agreed that whatever player, if there is a player in the final group uh, that's a Live player, that all the other players um, from Live will be gathered around in boisterous, you know, celebration. It's like I, I guess he thinks they're all going to make the cut and stick around in Augusta, and maybe they will. Who knows? But you know, listen, <laughs> Cam, Cam Smith is capable of winning this tournament. He's capable of winning any time out. You know, what's funny is if there is a live player who plays in the final round and all of his fellow live players follow him, it will give a bigger gallery than they get when they're playing in live golf. Well, there's some there's some other live stuff in the news on some other court stuff. We'll take that up uh, maybe yeah, we'll on next week's show. What, we'll what else? Anything else besides Masters you got your eye on? No, that's it for this weekend. Listen, I've got family coming in for, for the Easter awesome. weekend, so uh, that'll be fun. Um, so it will give me a perfect excuse to go downstairs and put the TV on and try, try to avoid people. But, but no, that's really the biggest story, right? You're coming off like an incredible three months of sports, right? And this is sort of the culmination. And then you catch your breath for a month or so, watch some MLS, watch some, uh, watch some Major League Baseball. But then you've got NHL and NBA playoffs coming up. You've got the Triple Crown beginning the first weekend in May. Um, so uh, yeah, of course, you have the first U.S. Grand Prix and the Miami Grand Prix the first week yes. in May as well. So, I get to stay in the country, yeah. So, uh, you remember the game Trivial Pursuit, right? Of course, yeah. So, that was a big thing with uh, with my friends and I in college before we would go out. Um, and there was a woman I was dating who was a gymnast, and um, one of the questions under sports was, What's the most, yeah, what. <laughs> This is the most exciting two minutes in sports. Uh, and the answer is the Kentucky Derby, right? right? But her answer, my floor routine. I, I just thought that was – I just thought it was the best answer that That's I awesome. ever heard in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Trivial Pursuit. So, yeah. well, listen, uh, great to have you back. Um, missed our conversations. Glad we got to do it again. We'll be back next week. We've got a great guest coming up. So uh, for those of you who listen, thank you. Um, please like us, follow us, share us, give us feedback. We enjoy it. We appreciate it. Until next week, he's DP. I'm McGee, and we'll talk soon. Hey, hey, hey.